prayer, prayer of relinquishment or letting go. Um, We have discussed many things over the last several months. Today, we will continue with the theme of prayer, but we going to ask ourselves or, or ask ourselves, what is the meaning to pray for wisdom? Praying for wisdom. If you can open up your Bible to James chapter 1, verse 5. This is the passage that we will be looking at today and discussing. James 1.5. While you're turning there, let me give you the historical context of this particular book. That will help you to understand why James said what he said. And chapter in James chapter one verse five. As he addressed his letter to Jewish Christians who were dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, these Christians dealt with difficult situations and they needed help in answering those problems that they faced. They needed wisdom to help them maneuver through testing trials. James wrote this particular epistle between 40 A.D. and 50 A.D. This gives us an ideal or a timeline of what Christians face during that era. For example, in 40 AD, the emperor Claudius restricted all Jews from traveling to to the city of Alexandria. In 44 AD, the apostle John's brother was murdered. Another James was murdered by Herod. We see that in Acts chapter 12. In 46 AD, a famine struck Jerusalem, causing a shortage of food and other basic necessities that people needed to live. So, these Christians, they face trials They face political trials, persecution, internal church conflict, natural disasters, poverty, and anxiety. And the question that James asked them is the same question that he's asking us today. What do you do when you're facing Trials. What do you do when you are facing trials? We too face all kinds of trials. Do we not? 
So what do you do? That is why James says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. As we continue, we will learn four things about wisdom that I'm going to discuss today. The first thing that we will learn is the invitation of wisdom. The second is the explanation of wisdom. The third is the application of wisdom. Fourth, the gift of wisdom. Verse 5, if you take a look at it, Verse 5 is a conditional sentence, assuming that the condition is true. The condition is based on verses 4, I mean, for 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But James knew that we will be lacking. That is why verse 5 is a conditional statement, assuming that the condition is true. He knows that we will be imperfect, and incomplete, those two words that you may see in verses 3 and 4. Therefore, he said, if any of you, if any of you, this is an inclusive statement. The phrase includes all people despite their age, their gender, ethnicity. James is speaking to the person who is young-minded and inexperienced. He is also speaking to the person who is old in age. He is speaking to the person who needs to practice self-control. He is speaking to the person who, who already have self-control but desire to have it more. If any of you, he is speaking to everyone. You know, when you look at the word lacks, right, in this particular verse, it means to have need of, to have a shortage of something. There's not one person in life that is not lacking some kind of life skill. There's not one person in life that is perfect or complete. This means that all people need wisdom or simply lacking wisdom. 
For example, you may be a person who have good control over their fi- over your finances, but have no control over what you eat. You can be humble in one area and not be humble in another area. This is what James is communicating to us. For example, a person can have bad time management, but at the same time be consistent in another area. Do you understand how a person can be wise in one area of their life and be unwise in another area of their life? Therefore, the text says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. This is, this is the invitation that we see here. James is inviting us to ask God, which is the invitation of wisdom. There is a there's a parallel verse to this particular invitation. We find that in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 11. Here's the same kind of invitation. Proverbs 2 is a father speaking to his son. That is the context. And he is inviting his son to seek out wisdom. This is what he says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with me, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your ear to understanding, yes, If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright he is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity with every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. This is the invitation. It's for every single person. Everyone needs discretion. Everyone needs discernment. That is the invitation. Another thing we see in James chapter 1, verse 5, is the explanation of wisdom. 
It's the explanation of wisdom. You know, wisdom is not just wisdom is not just intellectual knowledge. There are many intellectual intellectual um, intellectuals in this world who still lacks wisdom. Some of you may know uh, Lawrence Cross. I mentioned him in my apologetic class for my Sunday school kids. He is a theoretical scientist, uh, which means he studies natural phenomena. He can tell you a lot of things uh, about the universe, how asteroids are, the makeup of asteroids, galaxies, planets. I suppose that he has has a high IQ. If you ever have a chance to listen to Lawrence Cross, you may be amazed of how intelligent he is. You will be, but at the same time, you will also be amazed how dumb he is. You see, Lawrence Cross is not only a theoretical physicist, but he is an atheist. You know, he wrote a, (laughs) he wrote a book that is titled A Universe from Nothing. The title of his book is A Universe from Nothing. I won't encourage you to waste your time reading that book. We know a five-year-old child can tell you that something cannot come from nothing. Zero plus zero is what? Zero. Basic logic. Richard, I mean, Lawrence Cross is not the only person we see that have high intelligence. Here are many other people like Richard Dawkins, Stephen Hawkins. Men with high IQs. who who will be considered as the elite in modern-day time. You know, like, for example, Richard Dawkins and Steve Hawkins believe that we evolved from monkeys. Now, I'd be a monkey's uncle. You know, (laughs) and that is what is implicit, right? (laughs) We're not a monkey's uncle. But the point is, when you talk about the explanation of wisdom, wisdom is having a rational thought. It is irrational to believe or even to think that something can come from nothing. How can a person be so smart but yet so dumb? You hear there all the time. Love it. We shouldn't be surprised when intelligent people speak so foolishly. 
scripture says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. In other words, if you really think you're wise, you're actually a fool. And one of the most foolish things a person can ever do is not make a decision to believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is the utmost foolish thing anyone can do. It's not to believe that Christ is Lord, who has died for our sins. People make that foolish mistake all the time. Biblically speaking, when we talk about the explanation of wisdom, wisdom is a way of thinking that carries out the justice of God, the morals of God, the truth of God, the kindness of God, the product the productivity of God, the innocence of God, the authority of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God. Wisdom is the byproduct of God's attributes and his laws. Failing to understand the holiness of God is why we and everyone else are not wise people. You know, I looked up my uh, first name. For those who don't know, my first name is Travis. I looked up the meaning of my first name, and it means crossing or crossroads. Like you go into a toll booth, they used to give people those that, that particular term. That's the meaning of my name. But I tell you, I don't embody that, those definitions. Crossing or crossroads never cross my mind when I think of my name. The name Sophia is a Greek it's a Greek pronunciation for the English word wisdom. It's the Greek pronunciation for the English word wisdom. Many people have named their daughters wisdom. I mean, sorry, uh, Sophia. But I doubt that those people who are named Sophia embodies pure and true wisdom. I highly doubt so. However, the epitome of wisdom, the personification of wisdom lies in the person of Jesus Christ. Lies in the person of Christ. For my Bible students, if you ever read Proverbs chapter 8, you would know that this is Lady Wisdom calling out to all people. But if you notice in Proverbs 8, it's a chapter about Lady Wisdom who's calling and seeking out everyone. But in Proverbs 8, 17, 
Lady Wisdom says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Is this not what Christ said of himself? In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said, Who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Love. Understanding wisdom is knowing the person of Christ Jesus. It is only then we understand what to do. The most wisest decision that you and I have ever made was to believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to be atoned for our sins, to escape the wrath of God. That is the most wisest decision that you have ever made and you will ever make. So the, wisdom, the explanation of wisdom is Christ. What about the application of wisdom? How do we apply wisdom in our lives? That's what we should be asking ourselves. First, as it says in the text, we must ask God. James has written If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Here is another way uh, way you can read this particular text. If any of you lacks wisdom, God commands you to ask him for wisdom. Think about it. The question we have to ask ourselves is, when we face trials, who are we seeking? Who do we turn to when we have marital problems? Is God is our financial counselor? Who do we ask for guidance? When someone scolds you at your job, how do you respond? Are you seeking God's face? Are you asking him to respond, help you to respond biblically? Beloved, our natural default is to depend upon others for wisdom and ourselves. It is to depend, not to ask for God for insight. I am not saying that don't ask people for advice. However, it is unwise to ask ungodly people for advice. It is unwise to seek people who has no clue who the Lord Jesus Christ is. It is unwise to handle your own situations in your own 
hands. Because if you do that, you're depending on yourself. Love, we must take into account what Scripture says about seeking our own knowledge and the knowledge of other people. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your straight, he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. So the application starts with asking God. Because it's not really a request that you're asking. It's more of a command. Applying wisdom is acknowledging the authority of God over your life. We must first ask him. We must first seek him. As Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Whatever you do, do not I mean, whatever you do not ask for God, for wisdom, it demonstrates that you do not fear him. That is what, the, 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 what lies in this particular principle. It shows our lack of fear of who God is in our lives. How much, you know, do you remember um, when you was a child and your mom and dad ask you to ask them to do something before you do it? And if you didn't ask them, what would happen? You got into, you got into trouble with your parents, right? Our parents, and it wasn't as if our parents were saying ask because, you know, they were doing it in some type of egotistical way. It's because our parents knew and understood what was going to happen before, uh, when we ask. It is because our parents had life and still have life experience, have more life experiences than us. That is one of the reasons why they told us to ask. How much more should we ask God? He created everything, right? Stars, moon, planets, oxygen. By asking God for wisdom demonstrates our dependence upon him. Therefore, we apply wisdom by first asking God about a particular situation that we're going through in our life. Second, we apply wisdom by using 
and allowing the Word of God to permeate or to, to meditate upon. So if you want to apply, you first ask. Second, you seek God's Word. Listen to His voice. about the gift of wisdom. You know, we see in our text in James chapter 1, verse 5, James wrote, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Who gives, God would give us wisdom generously. James is telling us that God grants wisdom without having regret. It's not as if he's going to change his mind once he grants you wisdom. He desires to give you wisdom, to help you understand. It's not as if he's going to show partiality either. He's not selective. What he has done for Solomon is the same thing he can do for us. Because one of the reasons that God desired to grant us wisdom is because he knows that wisdom ultimately leads back to him. It betrays who he is. So when, he, when James tells us that God would, grant us, uh, God would grant us wisdom and give it to us generously, he meant that. So wisdom is a gift. It shows within, if you continue to read James chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it shows that he desire us to have wisdom because as you read on from 5 to uh, 6, excuse me, and 8, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So the gift of wisdom sustains us in our decision-making. It teaches us what to do in life Because if you don't have wisdom, the latter part of these verses will apply to you. You will be unstable in all your ways. You will be have a double mind and not knowing what to do in a given situation.
So, beloved, you understand that God desires to give us wisdom. And one way we do it is by praying to him. Asking for it. Going into your prayer closet. Meditate upon his word while you're praying. Recite God's word to yourself. And wisdom will be given. This is a promise. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for what you have said and what you're doing in our lives. I pray as we continue to learn more about your truths that it will be implanted upon our hearts, upon our minds. I pray that we will always depend upon your word and your ways. I pray that we will demonstrate the, the person of Christ when we're making life decisions. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you in advance. And I pray...